Hey there, this podcast is titled Stop Aging Now. It's for entrepreneurs. It's for those of you who want to get to the next level. We're going to be teaching you about the seven secrets of health. This is an incredible podcast that can transform your life, your relationships, your energy, that you can invest in your career to take your opportunities to the highest level possible. Stay tuned to the very end, an amazing offer by visiting stopagingnow.7pillarscoaching.com. Stay tuned. You're going to hear amazing guests and yours truly, Dr. Nick Delgado, take you to the very next level. Your mindset, your sleep, your ability to improve your diet, your exercise, what hormones, how to balance them, all of this and more. Let's listen in. This is Dr. Nick Delgado, and our pillar of health is nutrition. I'm going to make it very clear to you what you need to do to achieve ideal results. What results are you pursuing? Are you working to get that shapely body, ripped abs, firm thighs? Are you wanting to combat the risk of chronic diseases? Do you want to improve your immune system? Do you want to just look and feel better? Then nutrition is the first thing you should start on. Uh, whether you start with the other pillars of health or you're really good and you've got that mastered, that's fine. However, this is the pillar of health that you have potentially the most influence over and the most likelihood to accomplish the most effective results and not just short-term but long-term results. Let's first describe the intended diet. The intended diet uh, I will describe in great detail and I'm going to give you three or four quick tips to allow you to transition to what I call a plant-based whole foods diet, which minimizes the amount of processed oils or sugars and augments and encourages what we call high nutrient density. Of course, if we were to compare uh, various diets out there, uh, each one has their advocate, and I'll be the first to say that nutrition is probably the most controversial because people are raised in their general community. Uh, their parents taught them to eat a certain way. The school lunch program supported a certain kind of a diet. Uh, even the hospitals serve a certain type of foods, which leads everyone to believe that what's going on in the general public and what's available is the correct nutritional approach. And I beg to differ. I would tell you that the longest-lived cultures in the world are in the blue zones. They eat incredibly rich, nutrient-dense foods that are based on whole and the least processed amount of foods possible. Which brings me to a few tips. Number one, over 40 years ago, I was teaching classes, working with the Nathan Pritikin, and he was a lifestyle medicine expert. And we decided that to do the community-based programs on a six-weekly course that people would learn how to eat and prepare the foods, how to uh, go about if they went to restaurants. The challenge was we had a 30-day live-in program that was extremely successful in helping people get results because they were basically under a condition where they already had the breakfast, lunch, and dinner prepared, their snacks. We knew they were going to eat a certain um, variety of whole foods, and we could control for uh, the outcome for those individuals, whether achieving their weight, uh, their reduction in cholesterol, triglycerides, or improvement in blood chemistries, all that was fairly well controlled. But the real world does not have that control. So we were faced with what do you do when people 
are living in their own community and uh, they're making selections, they're going about their own food preparations, and they're being exposed to various other factors in our society. Billboards advertising various foods to eat, constant enticements on radio, on the, the web, uh, on your phones, and little pop-ups, particularly when you're going to a restaurant such as Yelp, things pop up about all these other enticing um, opportunities, especially when you watch sports programs. They're constantly showing foods that I would classify as simply junk food. So the American diet, the SAD American diet, SAD, uh, has evolved and continues to worsen the American health, the Western world, and it's now creeped into other nations of the world. So here's my number one tip. And you follow this number one tip, I assure you that you will see improved results within a very short period of time. Within days, within weeks, and in a few months, you can point to this one single tip that will allow you to follow and adhere to this program better than any other tip any nutritionist, educator, or doctor will ever give you. And you must be wondering at this point, what is this tip? How could it be so profound? Why is he so confident it'll work? I am confident it'll work because I created a concept called the Delgado Cool Tote Food Bag. And I'm going to tell you without reservation and anyone who knows me very well, who spent time with me, uh, either in our live-in resident program that we now have in Corona, California, in Costa Mesa, California, or you're just friends with me, or you've been around as a patient or a student or someone I'm mentoring. And that is what this cool tote is, whatever type of bag, it doesn't matter to me, but a simple, in this case, it's an Arctic zone. It's a cool, cooler bag. And I, every morning, the time it takes most people to make a pot of coffee, I go about preparing uh, a variety of rich variety of greens. Uh, it's got uh, cruciferous vegetables. It's got Napa cabbage. It's got bok choy. It's got uh, an oil-free, dairy-free dressing. Uh, it's got a nice scent to it. It's got some herbs and spices. So this is going to be one of the items that I'm going to defer to and eat as the course of the day goes on. Assuming that I don't go to a breakfast establishment or go to a lunch restaurant or to a dinner, uh, or even if I did, I would have foods available to me to be able to snack on or eat so I don't get to the restaurant starved, particularly if it's a restaurant I didn't choose. And that way, I'm going to adhere better. Also, I like to encourage people to have at least some kind of fermented food. Kimchi, um, sauerkraut. In this case, this is uh, fermented uh, uh, dilly beans is what they call them. Little fermented uh, green beans. And... The fermented has a nice scent. It's got a rich amount of what we call probiotics. And so the fermenting, fermenting uh, type of foods are very healthy for the, health, for the health of your gut, your immune system, your body weight, and your overall energy. Always include some kind of fermented food each day. A small serving. It doesn't have to be much. I might eat five of these dilly beans. Uh, green beans. I might have one scoop, um, a big uh, t heaping uh, tablespoon of sauerkraut. It could be miso soup. It could be something on that order. So I always have some kind of a big salad. And sometimes, believe it or not, I'll even start off with the salad in the morning. Let's say I'm anxious to want to achieve my ideal weight. Uh, also, 
uh, in a crock pot, which is the number two suggestion, always have a crock pot running um, each day where you fill it with beans and vegetables and various greens. In this case, I have squash, I have uh, green chilies, I cooked in a separate Breville oven some uh, sliced potatoes, so they come out almost like potato chips. I have um, such an array of really tasty, tasty vegetables here. And I've added some garlic powder, some chili powder, uh, some various spices. And I have mushrooms in there. So I'm really starting out with the basis of what we call the Daily Dozen. And if that weren't enough, in another crock pot um, uh, I had, or I could even use a pressure cooker, I had a 15 bean salad and then I picked up uh, some mushroom tacos uh, with corn tortillas and uh, lettuce and tomato and some salsa. And so everything here has been prepared without added oil, without added sugar, and it's rich in spices and vitamins and minerals. So since I carry the little bag with me, I take it to work. And sometimes if I lean into not just an eight-hour shift, but a second shift, I never get hungry. I'm able to eat and not overeat. I'm able to time the amount of nutrient uh, intake, nutrition, uh, according to, and not get hangry. I hear this from people all the time. Uh, I'm able to sustain my energy and also assure that I'm getting enough fiber, vitamins, minerals, and nutrients. And of course, um, I would like to suggest that you use this number one rule Always package your food to go with you every day, unless you live at home. But if you work out of your home office, I would go so far as to say, have your package of foods next to your desk, because you might get so busy on a roll that you work for so many hours that you get so hungry. Now, I know there's a big trend right now about fasting, and fasting has its place, and I'll talk about that here in a little bit, but I want you to know that the correct thing is to achieve that level of energy and well-being by taking in sufficient food and nutrition so that you anticipate your hunger. You're not weak, you're not empty, you're feeling good, and you're taking in sufficient food. Our primitive relatives ate rather large volumes of plant fibrous foods because it was oil-free and in most cases animal-free and certainly dairy-free because industrialization and uh, bringing together cattle in large numbers, that, that didn't exist in our primitive relatives. So when we're consuming these foods, you're going to have that best opportunity uh, to get the variety that's so necessary by just following the simple plan of carrying a Delgado Cool Tote with you. Uh, and if you remember to have that crock pot and utilize uh, one of our cookbooks, and you just look through the cookbook with all the different recipes available, you're gonna find a rich array of various cuisines that I think you're gonna enjoy quite a bit. Uh, one of the big uh, challenges is to come up with enough different recipes. And most families um, in this cookbook that I used at the Tony Robbins event, How to Look Great and Feel Sexy, most cookbooks will uh, have an introduction. My introduction is quite unique because it talks about how do you get enough protein on this kind of a diet? The challenge is not to get enough protein. It's, to, it's the challenge is to keep from getting too much protein because people do uh, focus on 
the type of proteins that are not really beneficial to long-standing uh, good health. Uh, how do you balance out which foods are going to be best for weight loss? And I even listed in this particular recipe book which recipes uh, are best for weight loss, and then the composition of foods, fat, protein, carbohydrate, the fiber in the foods, the nutrient density, and so forth. So uh, using this as kind of a guide, uh, these recipe books, is a good starting point. Now remember, Dr. Joel Furman talks about G-bombs, and that's the G stands for greens, the B stands for beans, the O stands for onions and leeks, and the M for mushrooms, and the B for berries, and the S for seeds. So that's something that you want to take into account. Uh, the next thing that I want you to take into account is what uh, Dr. Michael Greger talks about, his daily dozen. And I tend to concur with this daily dozen. I just added some additions and some clarification, uh, as did uh, Joel Furman in his uh, original discussion of G-bombs. And I would start uh, by first clarifying that this list of foods is an over-encompassing list of foods that you should include every day, uh, even potentially every meal, uh, these particular foods to get uh, the best possible outcome for quality of health. Now, it could be that uh, you're going to understand what I call sequencing. So sequencing, if you're needing to lose weight, emphasizing first the lightest calorie foods, the highest water content, highest fiber foods. and uh, Or if you're, say, underweight and you need to emphasize the more calorically dense foods. So let's just start from the beginning. And that would include uh, have at least one cup of cooked beans, sprouted lentils, black beans, black-eyed peas, uh, you might think, well, black-eyed peas, that's like a southern dish. Yes, it is. It should not be prepared with bacon fat. Uh, all of these beans that I'm talking about in preparation can be done in a crock pot or pressure cooker. Or sometimes I even buy canned beans, but I make sure they're without added oil and no added sugar and uh, minimal or small amounts of salt if it's present in, in the canned food. Uh, chickpeas are great because uh, there's several cultures that use garbanzo beans. And uh, when you think of the Mediterranean diet and Greeks and so forth, uh, these have been a longstanding history of the core basis to uh, a particular food that gives you good nutritional value, good uh, caloric um, su sustainability, and very high fiber. The reason I'm so adamant about beans is because they are, as a category, one of the highest fiber sources we can get. And the, these beans, and I'm going to break down the different types of uh, fibers as well in a little bit, but these beans can include edamame, which is typical to Asian sushi restaurants. Uh, they can be fresh. And so uh, cannoli beans, great northern beans. Uh, I like to also get the 15 bean salads, uh, soups that is, not salads, but soups, because it comes in a package. And today I just put it in a crock pot and I put some chilies and garlic and uh, some added uh, um, items that I use out of my cookbook. And so I always like to have a crock pot of beans going so I can either put them in with my salad or keep them as a base to, to a soup or just have a bowl of beans to eat. So at least one cup of some type of cooked beans every day is really helpful. And it may be that I don't cook the beans. Uh, as I mentioned, sprouted lentils. You can sprout various beans, even pinto beans, and as they sprout and grow, 
mix them into your salad because they're really a rich source of vitamins and minerals. Also, uh, the next category is fruit, but specifically berries, acai berries, uh, blackberries, blueberries. I love to have blueberries. I just something about them that just taste so good and they're so good for you. Cherries, um, these, these are uh, amongst a category of, uh, there's a, acrylo cherries and acerolo cherries, that is, and they're very rich in vitamin C, amongst the highest source of vitamin C of almost any food you can get. Concord grapes are great for you, cranberries, goji, raspberries, strawberries, uh, kamquat, mulberries, and jackfruit. And I, I mentioned jackfruit, uh, actually that should be part of the category of what we call a variety of other fruits because the berries, uh, jackfruit isn't necessarily a berry. So when you think about the variety of other fruits, such as apples, uh, pears, watermelon, pomegranate, and pineapple, oranges, lemon or lime, kiwi, and peaches, uh, I love to go to farmer's markets and get the freshest organic fresh fruit I can find and fresh vegetables. It's such an important thing. And uh, certainly uh, even tomatoes. Tomatoes are really a type of a fruit. And uh, peeled tomatoes uh, are, are probably a good thing because some people are sensitive to, to lectins and it's, it's in the uh, outer peel where the lectins concentrate. I'm not a big advocate of a lectin-free diet. I think you need a little bit of lectins, but I'm also cognizant that some people have a sensitive intestinal tract and you wouldn't want to overdo uh, things that you have a little bit of control over. So uh, when I include cruciferous vegetables, it's with great, great excitement that I suggest that whether it be cooked or raw cruciferous vegetables, at least two servings a day. Cauliflower, kale, Brussels sprouts, save, save or, save your, cabbage, bok choy, mustard greens, broccoli, uh, and uh, garden cress and cabbage of various types. There's many, a couple different types of the red cabbages, the green cabbages. So uh, having these cruciferous vegetables is really important. Most people don't eat enough raw cruciferous vegetables. And so this is why that I've gone out of my way to design uh, a series of supplements that have dim dinylmethane and dil-3-carbonyl that are basically extracts from cruciferous vegetables that have some very beneficial effect on your overall health. Uh, I would uh, also recommend that you do uh, salad greens and <laughs> big, huge salads each day, whether it be for lunch or for dinner and start your meal with this big salad. And so it's filling and satisfying. Now, if you're already at your uh, ideal body weight, you can eat smaller amounts of salads, but the greens and the vegetables are very important to good health. So that would include beet greens, collard greens, spinach, Swiss chard, turnip greens, and even um, mixed in within the salad, you can uh, get some whole grain rice pasta, if you will. So now you're getting kind of a mix of the grains and the fiber and the greens. The next thing would be to emphasize uh, wherever possible, get more raw vegetables. Uh, cooked vegetables are fine as well. And also cold pressed juices are very good. So that's where we come about to encouraging artichoke hearts, asparagus, uh, beets, bell peppers, carrots, corn, garlic, mushrooms, okra, purple potatoes, pumpkins, sea vegetables. Uh, snap pea squash, uh, and I love yellow squash, the green zucchini squash, and sweet potatoes. I mean, there's purple sweet potatoes. There's uh, various types of um, uh, tubers in that category. What about yams and zucchini? So going 
into that discussion, uh, the next uh, category would be seeds, uh, nuts and seeds. So get at least a, a couple tablespoons, and I like to soak the flax seeds and the chia seeds overnight, put them in, in a container, a glass container, put some water and let them soak, and then let them soak overnight. Uh, and then I usually put them in the refrigerator the next day if I haven't eaten them all. And you need a rich source of omega fatty acids. I wouldn't overdo nuts, seeds, avocados, and olives because they do have a certain caloric density. Unless you're underweight, then you can consume them a little bit more liberally. Now, uh, Brazil nuts are a good case in point. They're not necessarily a nut. Uh, however, they have so much nutritional value, such as selenium and other nutrients. Nuts such as walnuts, almonds, cashews, macadamia, chestnut, and coconut. Yep, coconut, like, you know, you, you go to the islands, you get coconut. Uh, when I go to Asian restaurants, I always ask them and get a young, fresh coconut. And they cut up at the top, put in the straw, and you can drink the fresh coconut water and take your spoon and just kind of core out uh, the coconut meat there and have that as a very tasty uh, uh, meal. Uh, the next category of the, of the dozen would be whole grain, particularly ancient grains, and include rice, corn, vegetable wraps. Uh, wherever possible, get a gluten-free granola, millets, quinoa, rye, and barley. Well, barley, the Romans were known as hordea, which is the barley eaters. And they were great uh, athletes and, and fighters. And, you know, as things happen, we see that um, grains are important. And I would tend to lean toward gluten-free grains wherever possible. And I think that as you think in terms of gluten-free um, there's, uh, I would emphasize the rice and the um, various nut type of granolas because they're going to have a lot uh, uh, better purity to them. Let's say you decide you want to mix some things so you get an almond butter sandwich and that has your whole grain, maybe an ancient grain, gluten-free bread, and it has almond butter and some fresh, say, fruit with it. <laughs> Uh, you're getting a good variety there. What if you have a big salad which has a fat-free, like Walden Farms, uh, fat-free uh, dressing? Uh, large soups are so good for you. And I think vegetable soups are one of the great ways to kind of fill you and satisfy you when you're wanting to lose weight. Eating soups every day is a smart thing. Vegetable soups, when you're wanting to lose weight and not filled with a bunch of oil. I don't add oil to any of the soups that I make or the recipes that we encourage you to try. Uh, a casserole, a crock pot, uh, cooking up uh, various green beans and peas and putting various spices and, and seeds. I think this is a great way uh, to have your food pre-prepared and then put them in containers like I showed you a little earlier because when you uh, prepare these foods and put them in a container, you can take them with you to work, take them on the go. Uh, it, it, it really does also help in the organization of encouraging that you're getting this daily dozen of healthful uh, foods that we consume. The next part of the daily dozen is beverages, hibiscus soup, uh, chamomile tea, and I'd be remiss if I didn't encourage you to just drink straight plain water. I like to use uh, these uh, ionizers because it can create some molecular hydrogen, and uh, with the use of this water, <laughs> I, I think that as you can see the generation of hydrogen here. This is something that science is starting to show that hydrogen is one of the most powerful natural 
antioxidant. It's very selective in knocking out bad free radicals because the body needs actually a little bit of free radical exposure, not completely zero. Um, so we look at the uh, use of, of fresh water and the amount of water you consume. Uh, if you're on a plant-based whole foods diet and eat a lot of fresh fruit and vegetables, which already have water in them, like say watermelon and things, you probably only need about five glasses of water a day, unless you're in a very uh, dry climate and you do a lot of exercise, you, you certainly will need more water. Uh, but if you're on an animal-based diet and you still consu consume animals in your diet, then you're gonna need at least eight glasses of water a day. So uh, I think that talking about uh, the realm of health and nutrition, uh, the next part of it is what will it take to include what's called a low inflammatory, high uh, fiber uh, diet. And that low inflammatory diet would be one that is rich in these various fibers, particularly because fiber helps to increase the gut enzymes to digest foods. And uh, there are seven types of fiber. There's cellulose, which is insoluble fiber, plant cell walls, broccoli, cabbage is a good example, kale, cauliflower. And then there's inulin soluble fiber, and that is the fructin fructose uh, mo molecule. Probiotics uh, kind of feed off of, of, of these inulin fibers, and uh, they are really good for a healthy gut uh, microbiome or the friendly bacteria in the gut. You've heard of pectins, uh, often coming from apples, and this is a soluble fiber that has many benefits. Beta-glucans, prebiotic fiber, is fermentable fiber. Uh, so I, I just want to encourage you, when you start eating, say, beans in your diet, the biggest mistake I see people making is they don't cook the beans long enough, or they just go to a restaurant and someone had a, a bowl of beans, and you can tell the beans are firm. If they're really firm, they're not cooked well. The beans have to be almost disintegrating, very soft. And to get to that state, I usually recommend not only leaving them in a crock pot overnight, but whatever portion you don't finish the next day or that at that coming meal, that you have that cooking crock pot going at low. Initially, you start at high for, I set it for about eight hours. But when I get it out of um, the crock pot, there's enough beans there for the next uh, meal, the next morning or the next day after that. So... I'll usually have a crock, crock pot running that lasts about two or three days with its content. And that way those beans break down really nicely. The nice garlic, onions, uh, whatever spices you like, chili powders, all this aroma in the house is so, so tasty. Uh, sometimes I'll go to a restaurant, a Mexican restaurant, and I'll order uh, beans without water, uh, uh, without oil that is cooked in water, and it's called frijoles de la olla. And... I'll get those container of large 32 ounces of beans, and then I go and eat uh, one a, a spoonful, and I go, oh, this bean's too too firm. I know it's going to cause gas. Not that gas is deadly. It's just uncomfortable. It's a social issue. So I'll put it in a crock pot, add some extra water, cook it over to the next day, and then it comes out perfect. Uh, so I think it'd be a shame to leave beans out of your diet uh, it, it, just for reasons that I just described uh, it is one of the higher fiber foods. It's, it's high in vitamins and minerals and nutrients and a good natural source of protein. So uh, I want to also emphasize that uh, oftentimes these uh, 
fibrous foods can be fermented foods and fermented foods reduce inflammation. So that's a big plus. Uh, maybe you've heard of psyllium, uh, which is not uh, fermented so well. So it adds bulk to the stools and enhances the transient time. So in other words, if you add psyllium husk, um, which is like a fiber you sprinkle in, into your, your cereal or your foods, uh, it's going to improve transient time and reduce the likelihood of constipation. So many people have constipation because they just don't eat enough fiber. And if you really look in the nutritional composition of foods, you're going to see really only certain foods are really high in fiber. And if you're just eating tomatoes and lettuce and things, there's just not that much fiber to give you the benefit you need. Now, uh, ligonin is the cell wall, and it's been shown that this particular fiber helps to reduce colon cancer. I uh, am encouraging you to also look into what's called non-fermentable fiber, which is insoluble. And that tends to pass through the digest tract. It helps the lower cholesterol, attaches harmful estrogens, removes them out. Uh, that would include oats, barley, rice bran. These are really friendly to the gut bacteria, and they do digest into another form of their fiber, which is a usable form of energy. Insoluble fiber, whole ancient grains, uh, skins of the fruit, vegetables, seeds, uh, all of these uh, uh, are really important for good health because it does improve transient time, the amount of time it takes from the moment you consume it to it excreting your body. So these uh, insoluble fibers uh, have the ability to uh, sustain or improve or reduce damage to the cells uh, of the body. There's also what's called uh, soluble fiber, like in bananas, and uh, there's kind of a measurement about fiber and it's called food map, F-O-D-M-A-P. This is the speed at which fibers are fermented. And it's important to get a sense for how fast they ferment, uh, for the understanding of if some of them ferment slowly, over time, uh, they'll create less gas than highly fermentable uh, fibers. And so you just have to take, again, that added precaution in the case of, of beans, just cook them longer, in, in, particularly in a crock pot, um, and not just the same day of, but overnight or even into the next night. St resistant starch complex carbohydrates are your best source of energy. And so when you're eating these plant-based foods, there's percentages uh, depending on what uh, category of food you're eating. So uh, because uh, if you think about celery and broccoli and cucumber and fruit and tomatoes or yams and sweet potatoes or beans, they all have a certain amount of what's called complex carbohydrates. And the goal is to also encourage such a variety that you're also getting these what's called resistant starch complex carbohydrates. They're a good source of energy because they break down slowly at two calories per minute. And it's at two calories per minute compared to, say, drinking a soda pop drink and it rushes in at 16 calories per minute. That's too much for the body to, to benefit from or to comprehend. So I, I want you to know that uh, people like uh, Lee Haney uh, wrote a book, uh, Fit at Any, uh, at any uh, <laughs> Fit. Uh, uh, throughout life, uh, fit for life, that is, excuse me. And he, no, I'm sorry, Fit at Any Age uh, by Lee Haney. And he talked about uh, eating a variety of whole natural foods and taking in as much as 500 grams of complex carbohydrates a day. That's uh, a pretty good amount. And he would do it even leading up to his contest time. 
and he won eight Mr. Olympiads. Uh, certainly, uh, there's a trend right now to minimize or avoid carbohydrates, but I would want you to understand, do not avoid starch resistant or resistant starch complex carbohydrates. Include more of those in your diet. The ones you want to avoid are the white flour, the white sugar. Those are things you want to avoid. Why? Because sugar, for example, say from a soda pop, rushes into the bloodstream at 16 calories per minute, whereas complex carbohydrates are a starch, very complex bond, bond, and when you chew it up, the saliva helps to break it down, and it enters the body at 2 calories per minute. So when you uh, uh, put a percentage, I would say that the healthiest percentage of uh, starch-resistant complex carbohydrates is to get approaching 60 to 80% of your calories coming from these uh, complex carbohydrates, which is essentially plant-based whole foods. Uh, You're going to also then take into account that the amount of protein you consume, which will be an adequate base protein, I don't call it a low-protein diet because you're not going out of your way to become protein deficient. That will never happen. When you're meeting your caloric needs, you're going to get all the protein you need. Because studies show that even on a rice-fruit diet, uh, which is essentially lower in protein than most other food categories, you'd be getting at least 20 to 40 grams of protein per day, uh, depending on the size of each meal. But uh, studies have been done to show that people remain in positive nitrogen balance while eating a high percentage, that is 70 or 80% of uh, starch-resistant complex carbohydrates, that it spares the body protein and we get all the protein we need by taking in and getting only 40, 20 to 40 grams of protein. Now, a basic overall plant-based whole foods diet is going to give you upward to 80 grams of protein, which is almost double or quadruple what anyone really needs. And that, again, is based on uh, nitrogen retention studies, uh, meeting the physical growth, repair, and the healing. So protein is a poor source of energy, particularly animal-based proteins. It has over 30% waste product because you see protein, when you digest it and the body digests protein itself, it has to break the protein down and turn it into glucose of all things. So to utilize and burn it, through protein deaminization, this complex process, that conversion to glucose is inefficient. And it also leaves as the attempt to digest uh, excessive amounts of animal proteins, it leaves a waste product, BUN, blood urea nitrogen. It leaves um, uh, various types of ammonias. There's a number of toxins from the overdependence on animal protein foods. I guess you, to an extent, could overdo plant-based protein foods, but it's less likely, and the protein-based foods have left sulfur, and it's sulfur that seems to be one of the more toxic uh, portions of the animal foods diet. So then remember, this protein-sparing effect, bodybuilders love it, athletes love it, because you're eating more complex carbohydrates that provide the glucose necessary. So the glucose doesn't have to come from the protein. It's coming from the foods that you're eating on um, a meal-by-meal basis. And it's that two calories per minute that uh, gets you that uh, rich energy output and helps to burn the difference in body fat. So speaking of fat, fat itself is stored in the body, obviously. And that storage of fat can be... uh, rather troublesome because over the decades as people grow older 
they don't generally slender down, except in some of the blue zones where the longest lived people do, they, they don't get heavier. They tend to be at or slightly below the weight that they were in their younger years. But when we're eating uh, in this country so much animal product, uh, it's going to challenge the body's ability to metabolize and control that type of situation. And so where do we get the best sources of fats? Fats are rich in omegas. Uh, they are a good source of high caloric density. And so if you're wanting to gain some weight, have some more soaked nuts and seeds and avocados and olives and that type of thing. Um, I don't think you should really ever overdo any kind of a, a food category or a, a food that's uh, so concentrated such as fats themselves. But the one thing I do want you to avoid is concentrated oils, olive oil, corn oil. And I've said this in other talks before because oil is the quickest way to get unnecessary calories that might not support uh, healthy tissues and good health. Eat whole fiber fats. Um, always choose, say, walnuts, uh, cashews, uh, seeds, coconut, olives. So, for example, let's say you ate 10 olives. There would only be 59 calories. Whereas if you got, a, say, a, a fourth cup of, of olive oil out, you know, which you fill up a certain amount of a cup there, uh, that's 9 calories per gram. And that olive oil itself could trickle into the body and affect uh, each individual's performance. So the quickest way that people make the mistake of taking oil is they put oil salad dressing. Uh, these oily-based salad dressings are really high in calorie. Or they cook their foods in oils. They add oils during and after cooking. Uh, even just thinking of vinegar and oil, they're pouring oil on the salad. So I want to, again, encourage you that like many of the smarter plant-based doctors are recognizing that you want to go to these plant-based whole foods. And if you do eat the fats, which you need, uh, you'll get fats from all the variety of fruits, vegetables, beans, and peas, because every food has uh, some fat, protein, and carbohydrate in it. But if you want to emphasize more calories, then do take in this category of foods, uh, the nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, and uh, coconut type thing. So... What is high nutrient density, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants? And how do we shift our diet uh, to your personal goal? So first I would say that kind of shifting to your goal, whether it be to gain muscle and reduce fat, or you just want to reduce body fat because you just feel that you don't fit into your clothes very well any longer, or you want to do it for good health. And it's not just all about weight loss, but it's about your personal preference and your shift and your goal. So first think of this in these terms, find a proper dish that you like, uh, something that you'll enjoy to eat on maybe a weekly and maybe in some cases a daily basis. Uh, so as you eat these foods, uh, they are very supportive of good health. Uh, these whole natural foods have spices, natural herbs and flavors. And so Shifting the caloric density is a decision that you need to make. And if you decide that you want to do uh, this food sequencing, then start off with green and yellow vegetables, cucumber, squash, onions, mushrooms. And then if you're still hungry, go ahead and have potatoes. And then as much fresh fruit as you want. Go on to have uh, yams, beans, and rice, which have more caloric density. And if you're still hungry, then go ahead and have that small amount of nuts, seeds, avocados, or coconut as a part of your overall uh, food.
food intake. So if you think of the myths that surround, I think the biggest controversial myth is that we have to eat animal food to get our protein uh, requirements. And there's studies or examples of people that were trying to influence uh, this whole idea about how much protein do we really need. Uh, but I want you to know that that argument has been pretty much settled. Excess protein is very harmful and damaging to your overall good health. Describe the benefits of your diet on hormones, on um, the use of uh, what is the fat to muscle ratio. Uh, I'd like to spend a little bit of time on that right now and just describe, I alluded to and I want to emphasize that your ability to detoxify of harmful estrogens is very much dependent on the amount of fiber food that you consume. So if you're not eating enough of these fibrous foods, you're not going to get that in the gut, the ability of the fiber to attract what's called harmful uh, types of estrogens, 16-alpha-hydroxyesterone, for example, formethoxyesterone. These are things that need to be calmed down, decreased, or uh, ushered out of the body. And the best way to usher them out of the body is to eat more fibrous foods. This is a, a good strategy. It can work very well. And I got a question uh, from an individual who said, well, how do you build muscle and reduce fat while you're following a plant-based whole foods diet? Because we really um, want to emphasize that eating fresh fruits and vegetables, beans and peas is so good for you. But meat, cheese, eggs, and dairy product is not the way to augment or build uh, more muscle or to improve your hormonal levels. So let's backtrack a moment. If you want to burn fat from your stomach, uh, you're going to by its very nature, switching to a plant-based diet, you'll be taking less calories, you'll be taking in more fiber, uh, and I think you have to make a conscious decision to also include exercise into your uh, overall plan. I know I was lecturing people here at uh, this facility in Costa Mesa back several weeks ago, and the people that were here, they were slow to leave, they want to stay around, mingle and talk and discuss the things they had learned. And of course, I, I, I integrated with that. But it was interesting that the, when you look at the concept of uh, whole food eating, that people, uh, when they're wanting to get that ideal hormone and muscle to fat ratio, that the diet is the key to getting that reduction in body fat that's covering up your muscles, that look that you want. So... Uh, to not belabor the idea, but the more soups that you eat, the more salads and vegetables that you consume, the quicker you're going to, over the course of several months, reduce about one pound of fat to two pounds of fat a week. And then over the course of a month, that's four to eight pounds of fat lost every month. And so as you can stretch it out then at six months, you'll have reduced uh, anywhere from uh, upward to 50 pounds of body fat following this kind of a program. So I, I think it's fun when you think of competitive situations. What is the difference between a sit-up and someone doing a leg squat? Well, the leg squat's involving quite larger muscles. The sit-ups is involving uh, a very small muscle group, namely the abs. And you think it seems large if it's stre stretched out a little bit, but it's not necessarily larger than you. So I think that um, I wanted to uh, take a moment to uh, key up and, make this added comment. 
sometimes people don't realize that when you eat fat that's separated in oils, because it has an affinity or a tendency to want to go right to the fat storage cells, it will add weight to you, even if the food itself was somewhat dehydrating because protein and nano product do take eight times more water to digest than uh, plant-based foods. So what we want to do is put this all to practice. And the key is to, if you do have some of these concentrated um, food uh, practices, you need to understand how to read the label when you go to a grocery store. And what you look for on the label will be the number of grams of fat, protein, and carbohydrate, and total calories. From that, we'll be able to plug in a simple little formula that for every gram of fat, there's nine calories uh, per gram of fat. So if you eat, say, 10 grams of fat in a bag of potato chips, that's like 90 grams, uh, uh, 90 calories per, uh, per serving of the 10 potato chips, if you will. And that's, that adds up pretty quickly. Uh, so you might think, oh, well, it's, it's uh, not going to add up all that badly. But as a rule of thumb, I tell people, let's say you're getting a spaghetti marinara sauce or a pasta sauce, get the one that has no oil and, and zero sugar. Yet if it's flavorful, flavorful enough, you're going to enjoy to continue to consume it. However, uh, if you're eating... Um, spaghetti sauces that have nine calories, uh, nine grams of fat per calorie, and you eat the same quantity, you're getting uh, probably eight or nine times more calories that are unnecessarily needed by your body because if you're overweight, you want to limit the fat intake, not increase the fat intake. Um, I would agree that you want to still reduce or minimize the amount of sugar in the diet. And sugar has four calories per gram, uh, a resistant starch carbohydrate also has four calories per gram. You may not be aware that alcohol approaches seven calories per gram, which is a little bit higher than you might have realized, but fat takes the king of all. Fat has nine calories per gram, so it's two and a half times more fattening than any carbohydrate uh, basic uh, food. So resistant starch complex carbohydrates have four calories per gram. They break down very slowly as basically the fiber is mostly non-digestible. And I think that I, I want to emphasize, too, that protein itself has four calories per gram. So carbohydrates and protein both have the same amount of caloric density. The difference is, though, if you're getting plant-based protein foods, you're getting the fiber out, and fiber has less calories in it because it doesn't digest completely, right? And so looking at... Uh, uh, what you're looking for when you go to the grocery store or you, you go to um, a restaurant and you have access to one of the menus, read through the menus. I am shocked how many people buy a hamburger that has 40 or 80 grams of fat, even over 100, 100 grams of fat in, in, say, one hamburger, when in most cases you should be getting more towards 10 or 20 grams of fiber, uh, fat, that is, uh, per day, not not 10 times that, 10 or 100 grams of, of fat, uh, which that's another reason why people are so overweight. They're not reading the labels. They're not checking these things out and that you need to really pay attention to this. So there is uh, an axiom then that protein itself also has four calories per gram. I want to make again another point that is that protein 
is an inefficient form of calories when it's digested. It doesn't just digest directly from the protein turned into calories. It has to be broken down into uh, a type of amino acid uh, breakdown that uh, converts over to like a glucose, protein deamination. So when, when it is digested, protein is a very inefficient food because it also has 30% waste product on the liver and the kidney function. And that's uh, something that in most cases is going to be uh, kind of hard on the kidneys. That's why a lot of athletes as they get older might be susceptible to, to kidney damage from overeating animal products. So let's say you enjoy eating out at restaurants. Most of my colleagues in the plant-based community will say you should prepare your foods at home and not really go to restaurants. But I'm not so sure that fulfills uh, being sociable and the love connection, um, getting together with friends. So just be smarter when you have a chance to go out to eat at a restaurant. In order of this, I would stick with more of the Asian restaurants because you're going to get more vegetables, more rice, more user-friendly foods than if you say go to an American steakhouse, right? So Vietnamese, uh, what's called pho, which is vegetable pho soup, is really good. Uh, I usually sometimes will give the rice noodles to my son who likes them quite a bit. I don't need as many calories and I'll get more of the vegetable pho part of it. I go to Thai restaurants. Now, it's true that Thai restaurants uh, do use a little bit of oil, but not as much as some other cooking methods and cuisines. So I think the key is to get used to reading the menus and we'll get together on this here um, in the strategy. And that is that if you go to a restaurant and you see big salads, load up the salads on your plate, put a lot of extra fruit, put some extra potatoes, put some beans. So there's not much room for the animal products itself. That's going to serve you quite well. Also, uh, if you go to a Japanese restaurant uh, or Chinese restaurant, um, there's some good choices. Have you ever heard of, uh, heard of hot pot uh, cooking, shabu-shabu? Uh, I always like to get extra mushrooms and onions and uh, bok choy and broccoli and different things. And the... Uh, this, the sauce or the hot pot juice, uh, there's like a spicy miso juice, which is really good. Now, it's, it, it's also the case that if you eat at a Chinese restaurant, I often, if they're doing the food to prepare to order, especially like stir-fried vegetables, I'll say, make mine with little or no oil. Some people even go further and get steamed uh, Asian vegetables. They'll have lost quite a bit of their taste. And I think the little bit of oil that's in a stir-fried uh, will not sacrifice or compromise you uh, in the scheme of things, particularly if you're getting a nice bowl of, of rice with that and these vegetables. And if you can get some uh, of the lychee fruit uh, at the end uh, for your dessert. Uh, so that's another good choice. Uh, always include extra mushrooms in your vegetable uh, soups at Asian restaurants. Mushrooms are uh, very low in calories, very rich in nutrition and very supportive. And have you ever tried Peruvian restaurants? Peruvian food, they use potatoes because they have a rich variety of potatoes in their culture. They have a lot of different vegetables, very spicy, if you like spicy, a unique flavor that you almost probably have never tried until you've tasted this uh, from any other type of cuisine. Uh, I will, in order of after Asian first, then Peruvian next, I would either choose a Greek restaurant or a Mexican restaurant. If it was Greek foods, I'm going to get uh, the calamuf olives with the Greek salad 
and uh, minimize the amount of salad dressing on it. I'm, I'm going to get uh, the, the Greek hummus. I'll get vegetable-based type of Greek hummus, and uh, I'll include the falafel. I've had a few Greek restaurants actually bake the falafels for me instead of frying them in oil, deep fry oil. So uh, there are some things you can really do. And then just tip the waiter or waitress well because you want to be a regular patron of a restaurant that's willing to modify or improve uh, the foods that they make you. If I go to an Italian restaurant, I'd really love it um, if you recognize that you can get marinara sauce uh, that's the least amount of oil. Even the pizza sauces uh, tend to be with less oil. It's kind of the gourmet spaghetti sauces that have a lot of extra oil. And what's a lot? Um, if you see on the label that it's only zero grams of fat, which is obviously the best, has no added oil, or one gram of fat, or even up to two, one to two grams of, of fat is not that much. And so I wouldn't be concerned about that. Uh, the key is that your uh, traveling partner, if you will, you know, kind of goes along with uh, these, this way of eating, and it just makes it easier for you as well. So uh, if you're looking at Italian or Mediterranean foods, uh, there is ratatouille, which is kind of a flavorful soup that they do. Uh, they have some other pretty good soups like gazpacho soup, which is a tomato garlicky onion type soup is so good and it's very low in calories and it, it'll almost grow on you if you eat a lot of that soup you're going to start losing some weight very easily now now that you've kind of sequenced through the various types of, of restaurant choices i just wanted to mention say with mexican restaurants you can get home, homemade fresh corn tortillas you can get a side of beans cooked in water uh, if they have it available and you can get uh, rice, which is usually not too oily if they're in a restaurant like this where they're careful to listen to their patrons and how they want foods prepared. Uh, with, with Mexican food, I'll, I'll get some extra warm corn tortillas. I'll dip them in a salsa and make a whole meal out of that. That's really enjoyable. So I, I want you to appreciate then, fully appreciate breakfast, lunch, dinner, and even snacks in between. If you're emphasizing, depending on your goal, to lose weight, gain weight, or stay the same, the not just the food quantities, but more, more importantly, the selection of the right foods to help you to get the best results. So emphasizing then that the cooking methods, uh, if you use a barbecue style, you can barbecue vegetables, but I want barbecue animal product because barbecue, it chars, it increases what's called benzopyrene, the risk of colon cancer, even breast cancer. There's a number of chemicals uh, that are present in, in the cooking um, industry right now. Uh, but if, if you're going to get these foods uh, and you have a chance to prepare them yourselves, then... Uh, Rather than selecting, say, a barbecue, although you could do barbecue vegetables, I like to get a Breville oven, hot air oven. And it's so good because you can, today I just put in some sliced baked potatoes in there, uh, that is sliced fresh potatoes, which became baked potato, or in this case, it made them almost like a, a tasty, crispy potato chip. And I put in some chilies and other vegetables in there, and it, it, it just really comes out good. And I have a big bowl of vegetables and potatoes to eat. And that's a good way to start learning about your meal plan. You see, your meal plan can start off, say, uh, with, with breakfast. And you, you get a granola, gluten-free uh, cereal with some almond milk in that or some rice milk. Uh, 
you can have a lot of extra fresh fruit. Most people hardly eat enough fruit. And studies show the more fruits you eat, the healthier you'll be, the more close you'll be to your ideal body weight. Even if you made no other changes and you just carried the Delgado Cool Tote with fresh fruits and vegetables with you and that emphasized that you'd have grapes and maybe sliced watermelon uh, or peaches or whatever the fruits you like, by eating more fresh fruit, you're going to get what's called a medium calorie food it's not overly high in calorie in the case of fruit. It already has the polyphenols that stabilize the blood sugars I mentioned earlier. But uh, fruit also is very high in water content. So it's great for a weight loss item because it's filling and satisfying and it has its water content. So uh, building that meal plan, I think, is, is a matter of just kind of trial and error and thinking about the dishes that you like from looking through the cookbook. And I think that uh, traditionally people have for breakfast, like in Asia, it'll be like a rice porridge. Uh, it, it, in America, it's usually bacon and eggs. If you're going to eat eggs, please at least order egg whites, egg white vegetable omelets without the cheese. Uh, you can get uh, corn tortillas, you can get whole grain tor tortillas, you can add salsa to this. Um, I, I think that uh, when you think in terms of uh, the, the, the various uh, cuisines, it would be almost helpful when you're doing your meal planning to look through the cookbook and to kind of get a sense for the various uh, recipes and which are the favorite recipes that you want to try and enjoy. And so always keep it in account too for your meal plan, the, the daily dozen that I mentioned earlier. And are you going to make sure that you get this rich variety of vitamin-rich, fiber-rich, whole foods uh, in your meal plan because that, I think, is one of the keys to success. I would say, too, the window of eating. I agree with Dr. Walter Longo from USC that you start eating about 8 o'clock in the morning. If you're not hungry at 6 or 7 in the morning, that's fine. But if you are, just grab some quick, fresh fruit tea and then go about for your meal plan for the breakfast cereal and, and some fresh fruit. Uh, and then transition to, for lunch, a big soup, a big salad. If you can't get a soup and you're on the go, uh, or you can get some, say, lentil soup or vegetable soup or even minestrone soup at an Italian restaurant, right? So soups are really filling and satisfying, as I mentioned earlier, and it's a great way to get additional vegetables into the diet. Uh, I, some people, when you think and you ask them, look, here's a list of foods of from the fruits, the grains, the beans, the peas, the vegetables. Um, and then what do you like? And just circle the foods that you like. There are some good uh, food apps, too, to make sure that you're getting some good nutrition. Nutritionfacts.org has a food app uh, that emphasizes the Daily Dozen. It's a free app. I'm openly promoting it to you since uh, I think that anything in technology that's going to help you to make better food choices is a desirable thing. When you go to lunch, think in terms of a meal plan that maybe things that you're more accustomed to, like maybe a, a vegetable burger. Now, I know that brings up a topic of uh, fake vegetable meat. If you're going to get a vegetable burger, wherever possible, get a black bean vegetable burger because black beans are good for you. They usually mix in tomatoes and some other things that are very spicy and flavorful, maybe a little chilies, and they can uh, really fill, fill that bill of a plant-based burger. A lot of times, if I get a plant-based burger, I'll get a lettuce wrap plant-based burger, so I'm not dealing with a white bread or a gluten type thing. And uh, I like to add some of the added spices uh, to, to this burger. Uh, 
I think uh, sometimes this diet becomes very uh, enjoyable too when you encourage or understand uh, the use of whole plant-based food um, spices, uh, herbs, the use of even some of the plant-based cheeses like dia cheese or almond cheese or cashew cheese. Now granted, those cheeses tend to be higher in fat, so I would eat very limited quantities, just enough to make, say, a cheese quesadilla on corn tortilla or sprinkle on to a casserole. That way you're going to limit the amount of actual fat exposure from these uh, nut-based uh, cheeses. But uh, I think you could definitely overdo on a vegan diet and get too much oils or fats, and that's going to be a problem as well. Um, I, I often am asked the question uh, about, you know, how do you... How do you go about selecting which are the best types of supportive concepts about how much protein does a person need? And when I look at protein, the first thing I do is I, I, I tell people, looking at blood test results, checking the protein levels of the blood, looking at the blood morphology, the shape and the quality of the cells, the immune system, it gives me an added advantage to be able to suggest to you that there's a lot of myths when it comes to healthy eating. And the biggest myth of all, I think, that really needs to be dispelled is what I wrote about in my book about the, the protein myth. And so the emphasis here is um, there was studies done on rat studies to try and lead people to believe that the rats, uh, which grew to full size on animal-based foods, uh, this is uh, compliments of, of uh, Saltero, John Saltero, he, he did the artwork on this, but I just want to emphasize that the digestive tract of a human is quite different than the digestive tract of a rat. A rat has a short, small digestive tract. It gets a meat in or animal product in and out before it rots. And rat's breast milk is very, very high in protein. It's, it's almost 29% uh, protein. Human breast milk is uh, really uh, only about 6% protein. So studies have been done when you gave human breast milk to rats. The rats didn't grow very well. When you give uh, human milk to humans, they grow and thrive, even though by most accounts you would think that milk of human milk, which is only 6% of calories from protein, is um, not enough protein to lend to the growth. The most rapid growth rate period of humans is uh, as, a, uh, as a baby. So the biggest mistake came when Oswald and Mendel did their studies and they put uh, rats in different cages. And in the cages, one group of rats was fed beans only. Another group was fed rice only. Another group was sending eggs only. Another group was said, uh, were served, say, uh, fruit only. And so over 100 different cages with different uh, food uh, selections. And the rats that grew the most were the ones eating meat, cheese, eggs, dairy products. So see, those must be the best sources of protein. Well, that may be true of a rat, but in humans, uh, the plant-based uh, food intake for the rats, they didn't grow as big, but there's been studies by uh, Knapp, by Reddy, by Dr. Lee on humans, uh, even in children during their most rapid growth rate period, and they gave them um, a sufficient calorie diet of plant-based foods, and they didn't emphasize or use any animal, animal foods at all. In some cases, they gave them, say, rice only, or they gave them potato flour only, or wheat only. And the kids thrive and grew to full size. Not that I'm saying you should stick to a monotype diet that, you know, that that dictates unless you're being guided by a uh, person who understands delayed food allergies, and, and that's a different subject there. 
But I want to say that the whole concept of protein in the diet is over-exaggerated. Not only do we need, if we cut out animal uh, proteins from our diet, which I highly recommend you do, we don't have to go out of our way to eat the plant-based foods that are higher in protein than other foods. I know uh, there's some friendly debates about this uh, going on and about, but the key is so long as you meet your caloric needs and you get the foods that don't cause you to lose weight um, too much, because some people, even on a plant-based diet, will not eat enough calories and they'll start to lose weight. And then they'd be sacrificing potentially some of their lean body mass, and you don't want to do that. So uh, getting back to the amount of protein that we need, you just have to have at least 40 grams of protein a day, maybe 60 to 80 grams uh, on average is what you're going to get. Because protein at 20 to 40 grams has a, a positive uh, nitrogen balance. It has a protein sparing effect on a 150 pound individual. Now, a bigger guy, say 200 pounds or more, might need say 60 to 80 grams of protein, but they're going to get that just by eating enough food to sustain their, their ideal body weight. So protein is a rather poor source of energy. It has 30% waste product I mentioned a little bit earlier. But when you compare that protein, say, to eating uh, 10 olives, that's only 59 calories in, in 10, 10 olives, even though olives are higher in fat, because that's where you get olive oil from. So case in point, don't use the olive oil. Always go to the olives. Always eat the whole food. And I just want to emphasize um, the, the shift in the diet for your personal goals. Finding that proper dish and the spices and the natural herbs, shifting your calorie density by doing what I call food sequencing. So always start with green and yellow vegetables, then cucumbers, squash, onions, mushrooms, and then say potatoes as well, and fruit. Fruit is very low in calories. So if you fill up on these foods, you're going to help yourself to reach your ideal weight a lot quicker and effectively. Plan to lose about one or two pounds of fat a week, and after about um, eight months, that means you'll have lost about 32 pounds of body fat, uh, plus or minus the amount of weight and fluids adjusting for it. Uh, particularly if you continue to do food sequencing, uh, fit in the yams, the beans, and rice, or even fit, fit in, in a mixed casserole. Nuts, seeds, avocados, olives, uh, I'll include them, but not be the main source. There are people who do go on a keto diet, and I'll say, look, if you're going to be a keto diet, don't do it on the animal food. Do a keto plant-based diet and without the added separated oils. And you can do okay on a, a program such as that. So I want to just also emphasize that the protein required uh, in the diet, if it's kept under control and we don't get excess amount of, of proteins, say from dairy product, uh, that's going to require more calcium of the body to neutralize the excess uh, protein from dairy product. And so that's counterintuitive or counterproductive. You don't want to take in more dairy product to get more calcium when in fact the dairy product itself is higher in protein and it's going to draw calcium, magnesium, and zinc out of the bones and tissues because the body needs to maintain a kind of a more of an alkaline status and not so much acidic. I'm also asked which is better, sit-ups or leg squats or back pull-downs to burn body fat? It's not sit-ups, folks. Everyone thinks, oh, if I just do sit-ups, I'm going to burn fat from my belly. It's actually the larger muscle groups that burn more calories. But you want to fuel that while you're doing those larger uh, volume exercises with um, the selection of the foods that minimize that oil and fat intake. And that will let the fat cells shrink down. You'll 
get enough fiber on a plant-based whole foods diet. And speaking of fiber, you need at least 60 to 100 grams of fiber a day. Uh, so an emphasis uh, here, I, I just wanted to scroll back up here a moment. An emphasis to that uh, and a caveat to that <laughs> is that uh, the whole fiber concept uh, of the types of fibers, digestive enzymes, the cellulose, the, the kale, the inulin, the beta-glucans, the prebiotic fiber, fermentable fibers, psyllium husk, ligonins, there's so many different kinds of fibers. And our primitive relatives probably ate over 700 different foods, plant-based foods throughout in their foraging looking for food. The average American maybe barely gets 10 or 15 different types of foods. So we're not getting the biodiversity, the variety of fiber we need. And just think of it this simply, even a banana has fiber in it. I'd rather you have that than consume a soda pop that has uh, more calories than a banana because the banana has good nutrient density. Uh, we think in terms of, of all of these things, there is something called food map, F-O-D-M-A-P. It's the speed at which fiber is fermented. And so uh, when you're kind of pursuing your goal of health and nutrition, uh, I, I just want to emphasize that when you follow these guidelines and you look at what are the possibilities of vitamins, minerals, nutrient, and overall caloric density, uh, eating out at restaurants we covered, we talked about meal plans. The key is that you just get in there and you come up with at least five or ten good recipes that you repeat over and over again, and then gradually add in some more variety in different recipes as well. Uh, and if you would like to enjoy a copy of the book, How to Look Great and Feel Sexy, uh, and the uh, Simply Healthy Cookbook, and of course my earlier book, uh, uh, Grow Young and Slim, which is a great book, explains all the details that I'm sharing with you now. Uh, I have a, a earlier, a newer version of the book coming out called Blood Doesn't Lie. It's available now on Amazon. And Acting Be Gone for Good, that gives you some good suggestions about the herbs and supplements. And Blood Doesn't Lie, which is based on looking at blood microscopy and blood levels for the better part of 45 years. So uh, the good thing is that you can be oil-free, sugar-free uh, for years and years. The thing that would prevent you from doing so is having enough food so that you're not feeling constantly hungry. That's probably the biggest reason I've seen people follow off this and not pursue or continue on this kind of healthy whole foods eating. And that brings you back full circle to using the Delgado Cool Tote to carry foods with you every day so you're never feeling hungry or weak. And you keep your uh, window of eating between 8 in the morning and 8 o'clock at night. You don't need to eat too much past that point. And you allow that 12 hours of the body to digest and to, to clear uh, toxins and chemicals and to undergo uh, the, uh, uh, the ability to remove foreign proteins from the body. So if you have any kind of autoimmune disease or delayed food allergies, I want to encourage you to start using something I haven't mentioned yet, which is a Vitamix or a food processor, or even just a Hamilton Beach blender. And you just put in the various vegetables in there, you can blend them up, add a little bit of fruit, like say banana or apple or grapes. And when you drink your nutrition, so long as the whole fiber is intact, and let's say you're having gut problems, or you're having um, irritable bowel syndrome or colitis, 
these conditions are very challenging to get enough nutrient density, but the more nutrition you get through blending or using a Vitamix, uh, the healthier your cells will become. But also by blending it up, it kind of breaks down all the fiber and everything. It's just easier to digest for people who have, say, autoimmune conditions or conditions or uh, digestive problems. Uh, it's really important to get that variety of vegetables and fruit and uh, whole grains because that variety uh, allows the gut to work on a healthier basis and get the great nutrition that you truly deserve. So, uh, in summary, keep on track. And if you have questions, just drop us a note. Uh, I really like it when people do a potluck and they bring in uh, some tasty foods uh, to one of our classes. Come to our living center, enjoy the whole fresh foods that we prepare. I usually go to a grocery store and I'll buy up $400 worth of groceries. And I buy the groceries once a week, sometimes twice a week, depending on how many people are there. And we go about preparing the food, sampling, enjoying them, and teaching you about all the benefits of eating this kind of a healthy lifestyle approach. So this is Dr. Nick Delgado. Be strong, be well. Uh, and again, the number one key to nutrition as a pillar of health is to make sure that you organize your food preparation, that you have sufficient amount of a variety of whole natural foods from the 12 categories of the food plan, and that you also uh, keep in mind that uh, for the breakfast, lunch, and snacks, and dinners, that you're creative and just mix it up. Try different things. Uh, don't get just set on just one simple approach or thing. And there's no need to go hungry. Uh, I think that one of the reasons people fall off a plant-based oil-free diet is that they get too hungry and they don't, don't take in enough food. So don't be bashful. Eat larger salads, larger soups, because they're filling and satisfying. Have a good amount of fruit and, and potatoes, for example, and yams, and then smaller amounts of the other foods, and that will fulfill most of your cravings and needs. Now, you should have your adrenal function checked because your diet affects your hormones, and your hormones affect the rate at which you eat or your hunger levels, particularly cortisol. Cortisol is, cortisol is critical to controlling the rate at which you push glucose into the cells, and uh, that really brings up what's called IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor 1, uh, which is a growth factor, but it's insulin-like, so it, it helps to modulate and control the blood sugar levels. You've heard of hemoglobin A1C, maybe you've heard of insulin or glucose, and once again, people get afraid when they think, oh, I'm going to eat more starch carbohydrates, and that's going to worsen my blood sugar. Quite the opposite. That's going to actually stabilize the blood sugar and help you to get really good results. So again, if you have any questions, uh, please drop us a note. And uh, just as a review, uh, go through the program, look through the recipe book, get a sense for what your choice is about how often can you go on an all plant-based day, or even just all plant-based for lunch, or all plant-based foods for dinner. And the more often you do, it'll sequence together and you'll get better and better at it. And you'll look and feel better than you ever have possible. So uh, Dr. Nick Delgado saying, be well, be strong. 
be on track of your nutrition. And uh, I'll go into a little bit more details about supplements and herbs uh, in some of the coming videos as well, because I get a lot of questions about that as well. Remember that whole plant-based foods are rich in enzymes, antioxidants, vitamins and minerals, they're rich in fiber, phytochemicals, uh, whereas animal products um, are deficient in say vitamin C, they don't have sufficient um, fiber. Uh, the animal products tend to have more toxic load. Uh, the, they tend to be too high in protein, which is hard on the human body's kidneys, the liver, and, and those functions. So for a lot of reasons, this kind of a diet the Delgado type of diet is a good way to go. Thank you very much. This is Dr. Nick Delgado, author of 15 books, including my newest book release, Stop Aging Now. SevenPillarsCoaching.com. I have an irresistible offer that's beyond belief that will take your health your relationships, your ability to perform as an entrepreneur in your work, this offer, just simply go to the stopagingnow.seven, the number seven, pillarscoaching.com, and you will see a free offer. It's a $1,200 value for absolutely free to get my downloads of my four best-selling books, Acne Be Gone for Good, The Skin Condition Acne by Dr. Sonia Batterisi and yours truly, Dr. Nick Delgado, Blood Doesn't Lie, Mastering Love, Sex, and Intimacy, and the newest release, Stop Aging Now, The Seven Secrets to Look and Feel Great. That's right. It's a $1,200 offer and you get it for 30 days free. Just simply enter your information. We'll send you the information to download and you get to review my books. You get to get my online courses, all of them. You get to get a Wednesday mentorship with my top VIP group that is held every Wednesday, 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. East Coast Standard Time. Yours truly, along with guests that I've invited, germane to the subjects of how do you improve the quality of your sleep, how do you set your mindset to accomplish your goals, how to dramatically improve your fitness profile using my revolutionary 12-minute workout combined with flow training and stretch-type yoga movements and the incredible detoxification program, the nutritional Nutrify program, the right foods to select in conjunction with the specific herbs and how to basically accomplish your goals, rejuvenate your body, the latest on hormones, peptides, all of it is in this course. And in 30 days, you'll be able to get the results that you never ever thought was possible. I guarantee these results and I'm backing it up with a free offer. Should you decide to continue, the continued program is very minimal, no more than a couple cups of coffee. And you're not gonna need coffee after you go through this program. Who's this for? Entrepreneurs, burned out housewives, individuals who wanna be peak performers in the bedroom, in the boardroom, and in general, take your relationships, your health, and your energy, and your career to a whole new level. Looking forward to helping you.